boys, guess who's here to make sure you play your favorite games today? <laughs> Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Retro Junkies. I am one of the co-hosts, Nick Stevens, and with me, as always, is... Uh, me, Landon. <laughs> <laughs> and me, too, Rob. All right, well, uh, today we get to uh, talk about a spooky game called Nightmare on Elm Street. But before we do, we've got some shout-outs we need to give. And I'll start the first one off. Our good friend Brian Rapolo, he has his uh, hosting website up now. Uh, it's called OneOrangeHost.com, and that's the number one. And if you want a good deal on a web hosting uh, uh, site, uh, he's awesome to work with. Go check out his uh, website. He's the one who de- designed our uh, Retro Junkies website, so go check him out. Uh, next shout-out goes to our buddy uh, John Wedgworth. If you've not heard of John, then you need to check out his uh, Facebook pages, Nerds Noise Radio Channels 1 and 2. And he also is writing for the Retro Gaming Times Monthly magazine. He's doing a uh, series of articles about fanboyism in the 16-bit era, which is really good. Right, right. And and John, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize to you on air. I still haven't read it yet, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a hectic week and everything with work, but uh, it is my intention. This weekend, I'm going to get caught up because I haven't read his Neo Geo article and I haven't read his Turbo Graphics article yet. So I feel terrible. Uh, Slacker. I know. But it's your <laughs> fault, Landon. You were distracting me. Whatever. You were. I don't, I don't, I don't distract anyone. Take off. You, you're doing it now. <laughs> I'm, non-dis- I'm non-distracting. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, next shout-out goes to our good friend Nick DeMarco. He's also a writer at the Retro Gaming Times. I believe his uh, series of writing is called Turn to Channel 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, he most recently did a review on Keith Courage and Alpha Zones. So check him out. He uh, he has a real good sense of humor. I know he likes to <laughs> poke fun at Rob. and Always. We've even... <laughs> I've even encouraged him to start a uh, graphic novel, uh, you know, kind of comic book series on Rob and his <laughs> superpowers of his uh, white teeth. So. Oh, wow. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> the power of minty fresh. Well, he did start a comic strip. I noticed that on our website today, so. Oh, wow. So yeah. He's, <laughs> he's serious. I, I was pretty good as a comic book character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so Nick DeMarco, a.k.a. Atari Man, you are the man. Next shout-out we want to give is to Derek Slayton, um, and he's a good buddy of ours who is very active on our Facebook page, and he's also got his own Facebook page under the title or under the nickname The Video Game Archaeologist, which is a bi-monthly magazine dedicated to classic video games. So if you haven't checked that out, check out his Facebook page. I think it's facebook.com slash The Video Game Archaeologist. He's also working on an Atari 2600 encyclopedia, so definitely be sure to check that out. Check out his Facebook page, and he'll uh, put updates on there. Uh, And he also has his Sega Master System encyclopedia for sale, so check that out. Uh, You can go to his website, or you could order it on uh, Amazon. So he's got a lot of good stuff there. It'd be awesome if he went door-to-door like the old Britannica. Like, hey, buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was on Amazon the other day and actually saw it on there, and it's got some really good reviews. It's, I think it was a five-star with about 10 or 12 reviews. I don't know a whole lot about 2600 games. I don't either. I don't either. And that's why, you know, I try to listen to Ferg's uh, podcast, you know, because it's kind of a system that, you know, obviously we grew up after it had come out. But, you know, going back all these years, it's, it's like I'm playing these games for the first time. And it's actually quite exciting to play some of these these fun games. And uh, speaking of Ferg, he has his Atari 2600 game by game podcast. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I just listened to his most recent episode, which was about the 
um, the Parker Brothers games, uh, Death Star Battle, and Ewok Adventure. And the Ewok Adventure one, I don't think that was ever released. So Fur just talked about the prototype that was uh, was discovered, and those games sound really good. And I, you know, I've I've got my 2600, and I've got maybe a dozen games, but I want to start collecting them. And who knows, I might even have time to play them one of these days. <laughs> you know, I got all these games, and I read all these reviews and, and and stuff like that, and talk about them. But half the time, I don't have time to play them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta uh, be crea- creative with the kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Retro Junior. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of which, I haven't gotten to see that yet. Is that up on um, Facebook now? Yeah, the newest episode where we played Nightmare on Elm Street, we did a two-player, Retro Junior. It, it's up. Sweet. It's about, about seven or eight minutes long, and I actually put some intro music in there. I uh, got the... Nice uh, callback to RC Pro-Am. I, I pulled up that intro music, and that's our that's our new intro. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Um, next one we want to get a shout-out to is No Quarter Podcast. They just uh, finished uh, their 53rd episode and released it on iTunes, uh, which was uh, dedicated to Congo Bongo. I don't think I've ever played this one. Uh, excellent podcast, very informative podcast, and, yeah. and uh, very fun podcast. So. Uh, again, that's No Quarter Podcast, and they're on iTunes, Podomatic, and they're also on our website, and I think monsterfeet.com. So they're all over the place. Uh, another one is Excess Gaming Podcast, and uh, that's our buddies, Xander and James. They have that podcast, and they discuss modern games, they discuss retro games, and, uh, and everything in between. Great podcast. Uh, next shout-out goes to David Thomas of yourhomearcade.com. Again, he's our buddy that uh, builds arcade cabinets, uh, can customize them any way you like. Really, really nice guy. Uh, He has a really cool story. Maybe we can get him on one day just to kind of talk about his story and how he got involved in the the arcade game, arcade machine business. It's really cool. Yeah. The first time I met him, you know, I just kind of asked him, I said, well, how'd you get started in this? And he he had a really good story about how he's basically just following the dream and living the dream and doing what he wants. (laughs) Hey, if he's ever hiring, let me know. There you go. Yeah, they're yeah. like, I know this guy. He can uh, he can paint pretty good. His name's Rob. <laughs> it's like I'm pretty good with finger paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of his work. Um, uh, he customizes a lot. And, I, you know, I got to thinking. I was like, man, I'd love to get a root beer tapper machine. You know, it just looks like the old cabinet. Uh, because if you go to buy the, you know, the authentic uh, 1983 release of that game, it is crazy expensive. Uh, but it's a beautiful cabinet. I mean, it looks like a wood barrel. But, you know, if, if he could do something like that and then just, you know, program Root Beer Tapper in there along with Miss Pac-Man, Galaga, Burger Time, you know, classics like that, boy, I'd, I'd love to buy something like that one day. Uh, the next one kind of goes in conjunction with David Business, the retro gamer in Canton, North Carolina. Rob and his wife, Kelly, have been really good to us. We're kind of working with them on a side project, which we'll talk about here later, but just a really good store. Uh, they have the video game museum in the uh, upstairs of the store. Like I was telling Rob, it's just like going into a video rental place back in the 80s. He's got like <laughs> the little the little wooden shelves with like all the games that they've got for sale on it and all the uh, different movies and DVDs. Nice. And then out from that, he's got a bunch of tables set up and he's got everything from the Commodore 64 to the Atari 2600, TurboGrafx 16, nice. Virtual Boy. I mean, he's just got them all on display and you can sit down and actually play them. Nice. Is, really is he cool. selling those? Uh, he is selling some of them. He said just to uh, come in and ask. Rob said come in. His name's Rob too. Rob Worth. Uh, come in and ask and he'll uh, he'll give you a price. When I was in there the other day, actually, he was looking at a, and this I've never seen one of these till he showed it to me. It was a Sega Genesis Laserdisc system. What? <laughs> it's uh, it played 
Sega Laserdisc games, but it also had a port on the front to put uh, the Genesis Mega Drive games. And it also played Sega CD games, too. Whoa. Nice. I didn't even know that was a thing. And he was looking at one, and I was trying to talk him into getting it. I'm like, dude, it's just, it's just money. Just get it. Just get it. You know, that would be so cool to have in the store. Just get it. He's like, I don't know. You know, the cheapest one's like $580, and the games are $150 each for it. it sounds but like the next series of Transformers there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it was a pretty cool system. I hope he got it. But I wonder how much uh, he's charging for like a TurboGrafx-16. I don't even know what they go for. We had talked about it. He said that he could cut you a deal on one if you wanted one, because I told him I was kind of looking for one. He's like, well, you know, if I find another one fairly cheap, I'll cut you a deal on it. Nice. Because that's, uh, that's what the first uh, Splatterhouse came on, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd want to get it just for that game, yeah. He's also got a few uh, of the TurboGrafx uh, game cards. Like, we were looking at those. Like, the, the games weren't on a cartridge. They were on a little card that you slid in. I'll tell you what, man. I'm so broke this month. I'll have to wait till next month before I can actually go up there. <laughs> I get paid once a month, and uh, pretty much all my bills are paid by the first week. And after that, I've, I'm like, okay, I've got 200 bucks to last me for the rest of the month. <laughs> There's gas. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to come up there and at least see, see that room. I haven't seen it since he had redone the place. So so the arcade machines are in the first floor, right? Yeah, they're in the uh, yeah the first floor when you come through the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a cocktail table and a stand-up cabinet. I can't wait to see it. Oh, yeah. He's also got a speaking spell up there in the museum, too. Like, he's got a bunch of the, I guess, the toys and technology from the 80s. He's got a speaking spell, and he's got one of those old Polaroid cameras that shoots the picture out. Oh, that's awesome. He's got a 1980s uh, cell phone in there, like the back phone, which is really cool. <laughs> so he'd be like, let me pull out my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I know you got a little show that we really, really dig. So what is it, my man? It's the 90s Entertainment Show, and I appreciate that you dig it. Um, we are at <laughs> facebook.com slash Podcast. Uh, we're working on episode 10, just kind of prepping for it. Uh, Ryan's still, uh, I know his, him and his wife are actually at the hospital now waiting for their baby to come. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's going to be a little busy for a while, but we've been uh, texting back and forth ideas for what we want to do. Um, a lot of good movies, a lot of games. I know uh, we're kind of trying to decide between like Silent Hill or Tony Hawk Pro Skater for the uh, for the video games. There's some sweet games coming out that year, but uh, we'll be doing that soon. And uh, probably got some other cool ideas to go along with that show. Also, to go along with the uh, Retro Junkies podcast, we've already mentioned this, but we've been, uh, my son and I, my son Isaac, have been recording ourselves playing the game that we were going to be talking about on the show. So right now we have Ninja, Ninja Gaiden up on the uh, up on the RetroJunkies.com site, and we just uploaded last night the Nightmare on Elm Street, which we're covering today. So it's r- real, real good. Um, it's kind of funny hearing my three-year-old son's reaction to these old games. And uh, <laughs> I, I try to start some commentary with him. So we, we talked a lot about punching snakes in the face last <laughs> night. So, so we're uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 just a good time. I, I really enjoy bringing my son into this. You know, maybe one day he'll be talking about a uh, Xbox 360 and PS3 games on a retro podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Was he scared? I got I got to ask that much. You know, he really wasn't. I told him it was a scary game, but um, the, the the intro screen a little bit. Like, I kept asking him questions, and he didn't say anything. I think he was a little scared about that intro screen. Oh, but, sure. Well, that is kind of creepy looking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but when we actually went and uh, fought Freddy, he, he was fine. I mean, we were just punching punching him away, you know? Yeah, it's like, why is Freddy jumping around? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's like, air surfing. Yeah. <laughs> got just a couple of announcements and pretty much the same announcements as last week. Uh, One I wanted to mention is that we're going to be uh, changing the format up probably after the next episode, after episode 13. So from 14 on, we're going to kind of rotate between 
classic home console games and classic arcade games. We want to kind of try to cover both. Um, and the next thing we wanted to say, um, if you haven't checked out the Retro Gaming Times monthly uh, magazine, the Halloween issue, it's out and it is a stacked issue. Um, I haven't gotten to read a whole lot yet, but I did get to look over the Halloween with the Genesis article by Brian Blake, and it was really cool. He mentioned quite of uh, quite a bit of games that I played when I was younger. Um, he mentioned Splatterhouse 2. I never played that when I was a kid, but uh, you know, I, I, I think I emulated it you know, years later, and then eventually I bought it from our, actually our good friend Bayou Bill from the Retro Junkies site. Anyways, he also mentioned uh, Ghostbusters in that list, and Ghostbusters, boy, that was one of my first Sega Genesis games, uh, and I love that game. That was one of the very few good ones, because, you know, you think yeah. of the first two for the NES, and then, you know, Atari made a couple of them. Uh, the Atari one, I think it's... I don't know if it was for the 7800, the 2600, or the 5200, but uh, it was basically a port of the NES version, and it, it was not good. <laughs> yeah. Was that the one where, like, the uh, ghost is kind of flying around like Pac-Man or something? Yeah, yeah, you're going yeah. up these ladders and stuff. Um, I don't even remember... It, you know what part of the story that was. I don't know if you were in the firehouse, but you're basically going up these ladders, and these ghosts come and they knock you off. It's so frustrating. But yeah, so um, he mentioned that, and I think he mentioned a few others. I definitely know he mentioned uh, Zombies Ain't My Neighbors, which is one of one of my favorite Sega games as well. So, uh, but yeah, so check out that article and check out John's article and, and Nick's article. Uh, I know Nick reviewed Keith Courage, and I think John talked about uh, Turbo Graphics this month. So. So check that out. Well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. We've got this event called Retromania, brother. It's going to be going down in Canton, North Carolina. Uh, Retromania, uh, it's an event that we're going to try to get together with our uh, friends at the Retro Gamer. We're going to know a little bit more details about it, hopefully by next week. But we're shooting for maybe 1st of 2014 of doing this. Yeah, yeah. The bottom line is, like, we want to incorporate classic games. We want to do it in a fun way. You know, get get a lot of people involved. I think there's a lot of love for these classic games, and it'd just be nice stuff for us to all gather around and maybe do a little tournament or something like that, and maybe even record a live podcast while we're there at the tournament. You know, I, and there are a couple ideas that we had to to kind of promote it and everything. Or Land and I are going to discuss it with uh, Rob and Kelly, see what they think. We will know more details by next week, so we can let you guys know exactly what we want to do and exactly what they want to do. So stay tuned for Retromania. That's right. We Ooh, want yeah. you to come down and try to be the best that you can be. Be the the best around. Nothing's ever going to keep you down. <laughs> Take your vitamins. Say your prayers. Yeah, that's right, brother. <laughs> All right, so, uh, Landon, do we have any retro news today, my man? Um, I actually found a pretty cool article, and it was on RetroCollect.com. It was about how uh, ColecoVision Classics are heading to the iOS via Kickstarter. They're going under the name of Rant Media Games. They're looking to build a ColecoVision, a best-of ColecoVision for the iOS system, which is, you know, iPhones, iPads all the Apple mobile devices, um, they've got a Kickstarter project going on to try to raise money for this, and it's just going to be the uh, the greatest hits of the ColecoVision, which I thought was really cool because there's not a whole lot of, I guess, emulation for ColecoVision out there. I mean, there may be, but mm -hmm. this is just kind of bringing it to the masses, I guess you could say. Right. Where it's just like, oh, well, you know, I can touchscreen this and play Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong Jr. or Pac-Man. Right. Yeah, the ColecoVision is an interesting system to me because I don't know hardly anything about it. I have it in television. I've got a 2600, but I don't know. See, I know a lot between the three consoles, 
you know, the 2600 Coleco and a television, they ported a lot of the same games. But I'm kind of curious to see if there's a lot of ColecoVision exclusive games. You know, I, I don't really know of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure there are some. I just like to kind of look into that a little bit more. There you go, Rob. You can donate your vast fortune to to get ColecoVision <laughs> on the iOS. My vast fortune, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, saving the world, you got to make a little bit of money on the side. With Let's see. I've got a couple of Canadian quarters here. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sweet. Well, I'll have to swing by the Retro Gamer and see if uh, Rob's got one for sale. There you go. <laughs> Fine. I, well, I've been following in a Kickstarter, and I even saw someone post this on the Junkies Facebook page. But uh, you guys remember the game uh, for the NES River City Ransom? Oh like yes. A, uh, yeah. Okay. There is a Kickstarter going on. A uh, I don't know if it's a couple guys actually bought the rights to that game, so they're yeah. actually making a sequel to it. It's a River. It's called River City Ransom Underground. Nice. And they've they've actually got some real good people working with them. Um, there's actually a the guy who actually directed the original Double Dragon and uh, some of the old uh, Technos games is working with them. And then uh, also a developer who actually developed uh, Scott Pilgrim uh, vs. the World, the, that beat-em-up game on PSN and uh, Xbox Live. He's, oh, he's yeah. on board. And then he also made uh, TMNT for the Game Boy Advance. So there's some real good talent on here. They've actually already reached their goal. Um, their goal was to raise $180,000. They actually raised $217,000. So it looks like it's going to happen. Right now I think they're just going to be... Um, developing it for steam um, on the pc and hopefully coming to the consoles later but uh it looks awesome if you guys get a chance just uh check it out on kickstarter river city ransom underground and uh it, i mean it, they're using the old 8-bit style graphics but the, the animations are real fluent and it looks like an awesome beat-em-up game so that company technos you know they made that game of course with double dragon but there's this whole uh it's a real interesting uh just study um they, they, they call that character or that type of character kunia kun i think in japan and uh, they're in River City Ransom, uh, Super Dodgeball. Uh, I think there's a game called uh, Spike and the Boys, or what? That's not Spike and the Boys, something like that. But there's a, <laughs> That'd be a great there, there, game, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I slaughtered that name. But there's a there's a whole line of that in um, the the NES world where they use those same looking characters. They're kind of kind of ch- you know what I'm talking about. River City Ransom, kind of chunky with those little yeah. little fat arms. So, I mean, it's <laughs> it's like a it's like a whole series, and it's a real neat study. I heard a few podcasts about it, and uh, it, it's you know it, it was a big hit in Japan. And of course, we we got we got some of that back here. I, I think even World Cup Soccer was the same type of character. So. Oh yeah, yeah, I've got that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that one actually being kind of a like a, almost like a soccer RPG. You know, there was actually dialogue when you would play the game. Uh, you know, like the people would be begging for a pass and stuff, and then you'd you choose whether you're going to pass it or kick it. It was kind of strange, but I liked it. And then the one last thing, they 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 had a big news announcement on the fourth of October, and the the headline says the classic double dragon villain Abobo is making a cameo appearance. <gasps> so, so that's 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 worth the money there. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. And there's a there's a picture of Abobo like punching through brick wall. It's awesome. <laughs> that's how he trains. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, the, the only one that I found was uh, apparently that the Retron 5, which was de- uh, developed by Hyperkin, um, it's, I think it's been delayed. It was supposed to come out, I think, last month. It's been delayed um, in its release till December uh, December 10th. For those of you who might not know what the Retron 5 is, it's a system that can play NES, Super Nintendo games, Super Famicom games, uh, Genesis, Mega Drive, uh, Famicom, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, regular Game Boy games, all in one system. I heard, it, I heard it brews coffee too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It pays your taxes. <laughs> Sorry. Sets the VCR. <laughs> it's it's up for pre-order now on Hyperkin.com, 
and uh, it ha it allows for HDMI support. Um, you can have save states if uh, if you're into that, and uh, all the uh, appropriate controller slots. And it even has a wireless Bluetooth controller, um, and it has an SD card slot too. But I like to call them memory cards. All right, just because it reminds me of PlayStation One. <laughs> uh, so you know, I got to ask you guys: it, they're selling it for about a hundred dollars. Would you guys ever be interested in buying something like that? I would. I, I definitely want to see screenshots first of what the uh, what it looks like on an eight, on a you know plasma TV with the HDMI. Uh, right. Because you know, when when you hook up those old systems to the newer TVs, they they sometimes don't look real good. There's sometimes they don't even sound that great. So. Uh, I'd, I'd want to see it played first, to be honest with you. Yeah. Unless unless Hyperkin's listening and wants to send me a prototype, I could review. Yeah, me uh, too, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how about you, Len? Will you, will you think about picking something like this up? All that it emulates is what really gets me. It's like, wow, it can do everything. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm kind of like Nick. I would like to see the how it hooks up to a new TV through the HDMI, the sound. Mm -hmm. That was one of the... One of the concerns that I saw a lot of people had about it, they said, well, is it just going to be sound emulation or is it going to be like actual hardware from the original systems, you know, doing the sound? How would that work? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think I about would, that. I would I would like to hear that because, you know, sometimes through emulation, it loses something, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, like John touched on, it, I think in the uh, episode 10, he said, you know, a lot of times emulators boost certain chip sounds over others. The PSG sounds either louder or lighter than it was for the original Genesis, and you can actually hear it. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, $100, that's a lot of money f uh, for me, but I don't know. Like you guys said, just the fact that it can play that many games, and, and it'd probably be easy to hook up, you know, it's probably just a couple of cords in the, in the back of the TV, because I've got a CRT TV in my game room right now, and I've got, gosh... I'd say probably about ten systems hooked up to it with like these switches to switch back and forth between yeah. them. Uh, it's it's yep. a mess. I mean, I've got stuff on the floor. I've got an television on there. Uh, gosh, I got an Xbox on there. I've got like, everything on there. <laughs> this would be very convenient for that, you know, that instance, and uh, for for people who might not have a whole lot of their old games or don't want to connect them all to one TV. Um, this might be right right up their alley. I'm I'm a big fan of the idea of a wireless controller for retro games because yeah, I you know with with kids running around, it's kind of difficult. I have a one year old too, so he doesn't quite understand no yet. <laughs> so um, when when me and my when me and my other other son are playing games, I mean he's constantly pulling the cords and ripping the system off the desk, and it's just <laughs> so I, I love the idea with for uh, wireless controllers. All right, so Landon, have you been uh, playing any retro games lately? Um, I have. Uh, you know the, and this is this is one of those where you have a, a story that doesn't seem like it makes sense, but in the end, it does. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, most, that's most of mine, except the end. Yeah, they still don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, with the release of the Wii U and the the high def Wind Waker and everything, my. Uh, my desire to play the the Zelda series again has picked back up, so I've been playing A Link to the Past here all week because of that. Love that game. That's like one of my favorite Zelda games. A lot of people like Ocarina of Time better, but I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of A Link to the Past. A Link to the Past. That was the um, the Super Nintendo one, right? Yeah. I've never beaten that one. I, I've I've got to give that a fair shake, man. Slacker. That's that one's good. <laughs> that that style of Zelda game is my favorite too. Like Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. Yeah. Oh, I, now I played that one. That's a good one. I like the overhead Zeldas. I think a lot better. Yeah. Played that a lot as a kid. I did actually. I think I rented that game probably about fifteen times in like a year span. 
Nice. <laughs> did it and keep your saves? I, like, did you rent the same cartridge that it had your saves? <laughs> I did, but like, it would be it would be in different places. Like, other people had played it, and like, oh. I would have to look at Nintendo Power and see what I'd missed. Jeez, a bunch of moochers. That's right. Yeah. That's the worst. <laughs> but I could always get to the, I think it was the Ice Palace in Dark World, and I would always get stuck there. I never knew how to get past that. Had a real awesome pickup uh, yesterday, actually, and I posted it on the Facebook page. I about once a week, I stop at the local Goodwills just on my way home from work trying to see if I find anything. And I, I usually find like PS2 games or GameCube games and things like that. But uh, I was walking through, and at the very edge of the toy section, I found a, I think they call it the Jungle Green Nintendo 64. It's oh, the, yeah, I saw that picture, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a see-through green. It came with uh, all the hookups, and a, it came with a generic controller, which is not a problem. I get controllers at the house, all for $10. Nice. So, and I was a little worried because they actually wrote $10 on the system itself, but I think they wrote it with like a uh, dry erase marker because I was able to wipe it right off. So, I mean, it's in great condition, so yeah. very happy about that. And uh, other than that, I've been playing, uh, me and my son are always playing games uh, downstairs in my room, but I've been playing a lot of uh, just Mario. He loves the first Mario game. That's, he always goes right to that. So Good we've, choice. Yeah, we've just been kind of picking up on that and uh, Super Mario World. So, um, But that Super Mario World is my favorite on Super Nintendo, so I'm always encouraging him to play that one. So. Is that your favorite uh, of all the entire series? I'll, I like it better than Mario 3. So. Wow, really? Yeah. yeah. What, what, what about you, Lando? I'm just curious. Ooh. I'm probably going to have to go with Nick. I like Mario World. I like Mario 3 really, really well, but mm-hmm. I'm, Mario World's just a little bit more. It was a lot longer game, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't help it. I've got so much nostalgia for the third game, so I guess I'll always kind of pick that one if I if I want to be put in a good mood because it just reminds me of so many good times. <laughs> I'd probably agree. You know, it seems like Super Mario World, you know, pulled out all the stops and, uh, you know, it was a longer game and there was a lot more you could do. So And the graphics. I remember the first time I'd seen the game, I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I, I just <laughs> yeah. remember the graphics being amazing in that game when I was a kid. So, Oh, um, yeah, when, when, when Bowser flies at you at you know, the very last stage. I mean, that Oh, just, yeah. Wow. <laughs> kind of scared you a little. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't been up to a whole lot this week. Uh, it's been kind of a hectic week with work and everything, but um, I did get to uh, get a little bit of Atari 2600 in. Um, I got to play a couple of games. Um, uh, Dark Chambers, I played that for the 2600, um, and it was a pretty fun game. I kind of was in a scary movie vibe, and I hadn't played a lot of the old like Atari scary games, uh, and this was pretty fun. But you can tell you know, right away where... Gauntlet got its inspiration because essentially, I think this game came out first, or at least, I think this is actually a sequel, a game called Dandy Dungeon, which came out for the 2600 in 1983. Uh, I think that came before Gauntlet did, which might have come out in 90 or 84 or something like that. Yeah, basically it's just a maze game and you go around collecting uh, keys and collecting treasure to build up your high score. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, your typical monster enemies like ghosts. Uh, witches, wizards, the Grim Reapers, they're about the hardest enemy, and you just kind of wander around and shoot them and everything. And it's weird because when you actually shoot the Grim Reapers, but right before they disappear, they turn new into, like, it looks exactly like a sprite of Luigi, you know, from <laughs> <laughs> from uh, the original Luigi from the first game. Um, it's a little repetitive. There's about uh, 20 mazes in it. I only got up to maze 10, and I was like, okay, I'm about done. Uh, yeah, that was kind of cool to play that. Um, and then I uh, played the 7800 version, of the game, uh, and of course it looked a lot better. Um, but yeah, I think it came out came out in 1988. And another one that I'm uh, about to play is it's um, called Dark Cavern, and apparently this is a game where it's it's like a survival horror game, 
except you, no matter what, you're not going to survive. <laughs> so it kind of defeats the... <laughs> the it basically, it's, it's a test to see how long you'll survive in this game before you know these, these monsters get you. So that's all I know about it right now, so I'm going to play that probably this coming week. Dark Cavern and Dark, dark Chamber. So, <laughs> so they're both um, for the 2600. Uh, both seem like solid game. The only other thing I've really been doing is um, watching a series of videos on YouTube based on the Nintendo Power series. Um, and basically this guy, uh, his channel is called NES Complex. Uh, he reviews the Nintendo Power issues and kind of compares or the, the content that's covered in the issue with, you know, the pop culture and stuff like that. And I was actually watching the, uh, the episode dedicated to the second issue of the Nintendo Power magazine, which was the, uh, the infamous Simon's, Simon's Quest cover. It was really cool. It, uh, a lot of good games were covered in that issue. Bionic Commando, Life Force... Uh, Blaster Master and you know obviously Simon's Quest. I just golly, you you open up those issues, those Nintendo Power issues, and just seeing the artwork and just knowing that that was pretty much your only source to get through some of these games because um, you know none of us had the internet then. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was pretty cool. It was neat to see that again. So um, if if you'd like to check out some of the Nintendo Power reviews, say if you didn't have a whole lot of them or uh, you've lost them over the years, there's a whole bunch of videos, and I think it's called Nintendo Power Time Machine. Go check that out. Great issues plus six free strategy guides on a hot new game. That's twice the power for still 15 bucks. Wow, call now. All right, forum topics. One was started. Oh, this was started by you, Lennon. You want to do this one? Uh, sure. Uh, first on our forum topics, I guess, is uh, the one that I started is Game Genie OK. Basically, the whole premise of the uh, topic was okay, you've played a game. I mean, you've been busting it every day trying to beat it you you just can't do it is it okay to use the game genie to beat that game and can you claim that you've beat the game using the game genie i think my my opinion on it is it's okay if you're wanting to to, to use it to advance the story like a game for instance i mean ninja gaiden for example you use game genie for that and you, you're just doing it to see the end now do you say that you beat the game because you used Game Genie? I don't think you do. You've not really... You've had help, but as far as a plot advancement device, I guess you could say I'm okay with it being used for that, but not for, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I beat Ninja Gaiden and I only died one time. Da-da-da-da-da, <laughs> you know? It's like I definitely had no help. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't cheat. <laughs> but take uh, yeah. off, you did. <laughs> no way. That's a really good question. You know, I, I never really personally had a problem with it. And it's kind of like, it reminds me of another topic that was started, I think, by Nicholas F. Bennett. You know, using the internet to, say, if you're stuck on a, uh, a game like Metroid or something that, you know, doesn't particularly have a map or something in the game. Um, is it okay to use the internet to find this stuff and then still claim, yeah, well, I beat it. You should have an asterisk by a game, you know, when you say that you've used a, or when you used Game Genie or the internet to beat it. You know, and, and sadly, there's been times where I was uh, stuck in certain games and I've looked up... Um, I've looked it up on you know on the internet, or I've used a game genie code or something like that to get past it, just because I wanted to beat it. I wanted to see the end, and I didn't want to look at a YouTube video to see it. I think all of us probably have done it at least once, <laughs> or at least you know on this yeah. podcast. Uh, but you know there there are some people that have some very strong opinions against it. Yeah, game genie is like the steroids of video games, right? <laughs> 
you, you think <laughs> about Barry Bonds and the record he broke. Yeah, there's a, like you said, a Robert of a big asterisk next to it. That's what Game Genie is to, to video game beating. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've I've used it, and just because I've used it doesn't make it mean it's right. If I jump off a bridge, doesn't mean you have to jump off a bridge too. But um, sorry, that's stupid humor. But uh, yeah, I've used it, and I'm I'm right there. Sometimes if I did beat a game, um, I would use it just to kind of beat it faster, or even cheat codes. I mean. Who here has beat Contra without the uh, Konami code? Duh, not me. Science. <laughs> exactly. Crickets. That's, yeah, exactly. Contra is probably my favorite, one of my favorite NES games, and I've never beat that without the uh, Konami code. So, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I can't tell people I beat Contra, mm-hmm. you know, truthfully. I can say I beat it with 30 lives code. But, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. It, it's kind of fun sometimes just to put in cheat codes just to kind of explore the world and not have to worry about being so good at it. That is true. That is true. I mean, you know, if, if you put like an infinite live code or on, uh, say, Ninja Gaiden or something like that, you can kind of maybe study some, uh, I don't know, techniques of, you know, platforms you can jump on, platforms you can jump on, then try to do it for real, you know, in a real run, you know, when you reset it or something. I, I don't know if that's still wrong or not, but, you know, I don't know. It's something to think about. But, boy, here are some of the um, answers to Landon's topic here. It's, uh, um, Nicholas F. Bennett says, I have to side with no in this case. Think of the ending of a game as a trophy. Lots of us have competed in some sort of or in some form of sport or competition. You receive your prize only if you win. The ending of a game has the same catch in my mind. Uh, if I don't get to see the <laughs> ending, it's because I didn't deserve it. My own personal philosophy is that there's no such thing as, as giving your all, especially in a game. There's always more to study with the patterns and timing, etc. So he is strongly against it, and then Digital Gamer responds and says, uh, I, I would have to fall on the other side of this, Nicholas. I believe that you should be able to play the game uh, how you want. If you want to advance yourself using a game genie, then go for it. Also, working full-time with two kids means my game time is very limited, so I don't have the time to spend trying to make it through the game. That is so difficult, so I have no issue using help to get you through the tough areas. So there, there's um, two different perspectives right there, and both make some really good points. I agree with both of them. Does that make sense? <laughs> I, I yes think and yes. Yes, yeah, thank you. Um, let's see, and Partsman says, oh, and he actually talks about Ninja Gaiden here. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I love Ninja Gaiden, but it's ridiculously difficult, and I can only deal with so much crap before I have to deal with it myself. Uh, I keep threatening to plug in a game, Genie, but I've yet to do it. Games like Bayou Billy, Ninja Gaiden, and Battletoads are crazy. But like I said, I keep thinking one more time. One more, te- uh, one more 12-pack of ice cream sodas and pork rinds, and I can beat it. Me and my silly pride. <laughs> so excellent responses to that. You know, some people think it's a pride thing and they they won't do it, and others think, ah, eh, you know what? If if it's fun, do it. So, all right. Next topic. I started a topic a couple weeks ago, or no, a couple days ago. Uh, classic horror games. What is your favorite, you know, horror game or scary game that you played growing up that either scared you or just you had so many sentimental memories playing? Let's see. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh... Probably Resident Evil 2 of the, I guess, newer retro generation. Nice. Really, really loved that game. That game kind of got me introduced to the Resident Evil series. And the scene that stands out the most to me about that game is when you're in the police station in the interrogation room. And there's a one of those two-way mirrors. And there's a key on the uh, other side of the room. So, you know, you run and you get the key. And when you walk past the mirror, like one of those... The things with the tongues that like oh, yeah. try to hit you jumps out from behind that mirror <laughs> and like pins you down. Uh-huh. And it, starts, it starts playing the like 
really, really fast paced, like violin, creepy music. You know, and you're sitting there and you're like, what do I do? What do I do? Shoot it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that, that game scared the heck out of me as a kid. Like, I, I'll never forget. Remember the, the police officer that starts turning into a zombie? Yeah. Oh, that, that cutscene where he's starting to turn. I don't know why that messed with me. Oh, I'm a wuss, so what can I say? <laughs> it's okay, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that, you know, that's another game, like, I love how it starts. Basically, you're thrown out there, and you've got to figure out those tank controls very, very quickly because uh, the whole town's pretty much on fire, and you're trying to make your way into a police station, and all these zombies are chasing you. You know, there's no warning. You basically have to run as soon as you start playing the game. And I, I love that. Boy, that throws you right in there and gets your blood pumping right away. So I had a lot of good memories playing that one. I'd say probably aside from 4, Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 2 is a very, very close second, uh, you know, to being my favorite in this kind of the survival horror genre. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Resident Evil. Um, the first one really, um, I, I like the second one, I like the fourth one better than the first one, but I think my first time ever being literally scared, like, to where I wouldn't play a game or I would actually turn it off and come back later would be the first Resident Evil. Nice. And I remember... Uh, we talked about this on the 90s entertainment show one time but uh my brother told me to rent it and i was only 12 or 13 years old and uh, i remember popping it in i was a little freaked out by the opening scene um, <laughs> and we, it's, when you get back it's really cheesy oh yeah i hope but this is not chris's blood oh exactly <laughs> and, and, the, and i love the character introductions it looks like a fighting game introducing <laughs> all these characters and stuff but anyways that first time when you actually see the first zombie and uh, it goes to that cut scene and it's eating yeah. away at some, some human and it turns around I literally turned off my PlayStation and went and found my mom. <laughs> yeah, I, no kidding, and I, I'm not afraid to admit that. But uh, but that that was one of those games that it's like watching a scary movie. You would actually hide your eyes and keep looking back. <laughs> yep. So, and and what would happen would be I would actually, you know, I'd, I'd want to play it during the day, so I'd wake up early in the morning, eight nine o'clock, you know, on a Saturday, and I would pop it in, so it wouldn't be so scary at nighttime. So, but that, that that's my memory of an actual horror game. Yeah, I, mean, I played Castlevania and Splatterhouse, but those weren't really nothing scared me. It was just the right. dark kind of story. But Resident Evil One actually scared me. Say, <laughs> so, hey, Lenny, can you do your best uh, uh, Barry impression? Do the Jill sandwich. Yeah, do the Jill sandwich. <laughs> I'm trying to think of. Give me a Barry line, and I'll try to do it. Oh gosh. Or maybe no. Chris did the Jill sandwich. Who did Jill sandwich? <laughs> No, no, that was bad. That had to have been Barry, Barry, right? Because doesn't he save her? Remember, the walls are about to close, and he saves Let's her. See. Google. <laughs> you were about to be a Jill sandwich. <laughs> you know, I always had the bad ending too, where um, Barry doesn't make it out alive, and I always no, felt I've always felt so bad about that. <laughs> but and that, that's one thing I really liked about the game. You know, your decisions and and how fast, how quickly you could beat the game. You know, impacted the type of ending you were going to have in the game and, and and you would actually get a grade I remember at the end of the game you know and I was always get like a C or a D and I guess it was based on all the things you found and unlocked and how quickly you beat the game and how many times you died so poor Barry he didn't make it <laughs> <laughs> I threw him to the tyrant and I took off <laughs> I remember um, my neighbor had a big screen TV and, uh, he had rented Resident Evil and I remember uh, I didn't have a PlayStation at the time and I remember watching on his TV and there was a particular boss fight where uh, this giant snake is in the game and I remember you know he's trying to shoot and everything and of course you got that crazy scary music going and I'm watching and it's like one of those things where I don't want to watch but I can't look away so <laughs> so I'm watching and everything and, and I'm like run run and then finally the snake got him and it kind of flings Jill up into the air and then kind of gobbles her down and I was like oh my goodness 
So so I, I went home that night and I'm I'm looking under my bed thinking there's snakes under there. <laughs> I look into the fireplace, make sure there's no snakes in there. <laughs> for some reason I really remember that particular scene. I guess that was the first time I'd ever seen the game, so but for me, it's kind of a weird story for me because um uh, I remember the first time I was ever scared from a game, and it was the original Castlevania. It was uh, during a Christmas party um, back in New Jersey. It was our, our neighbor had a big old house. It was like a three-story house. They had this really, really creepy basement. But anyways, you know, my parents and stuff, they were kind of upstairs. They were talking to all the other parents during the party. And I remember it was snowing out that day. It was kind of a nice – it was a really cool memory. But I remember going down to the basement, and it was just the creepiest basement, and it had this smell – that I could never forget. Uh, but anyways, they had this Nintendo set up to this one TV. They were playing Castlevania. And that's the first time I'd ever seen it. I was probably about five, maybe. And I remember the witches, or the zombies, in the very first level. You remember those zombies? They kind of keep their, their hands up in the air, and they try to chase you in the very first level? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, I remember seeing those, and that, for some reason that stood out to me, and it scared me because, um, you know, when I, when I went home that night... I remember thinking about those zombies. You know, that's the first time I'd ever really <laughs> seen a scary game before. Um, and eventually I got uh, Castlevania Three and everything. But, you know, the weird part is that was the only time that I was ever in my neighbor's basement, you know, that creepy basement, until three weeks ago. Uh, I was um, uh, up in New Jersey. I was helping my dad with some yard work, and the neighbor kind of walks up to me and says, Hey, uh, I've got this freezer I need to move. Uh, would, you, would you give me a hand and stuff? So I was like, Yeah, sure. So I walked on over. And I walked down to the basement, and it's exactly how I remembered it, like twenty, you know, three years ago. It's ex- it hasn't changed at all. <laughs> there, there was a there was a TV still in the corner. All the the furniture, it still looked like the same exact furniture when I was a kid. So, <laughs> just this old, you know, seventies kind of furniture. That smell, it brought me back, man. I was like, <laughs> holy cow! It, Sounds it, like a sequel to a scary movie. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then we carried this huge freezer up the stairs, and I bumped my head. It was great. Good times. <laughs> but, yeah, so I don't know. That just kind of triggered a memory of me playing Castlevania for the first time. And then eventually I got um, Castlevania three, and then I had all sorts of nightmares because the first boss in Castlevania three, when you when you defeat him, he lets out this long, long drawn-out wail uh, you know, before he bursts into flames. And I remember hearing that over and over in my head, and I was like, uh. <laughs> So... Yeah, so I'd say the Castlevania series was the first to kind of really mess me up. You know, scary stuff. Should we get into Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready, are you? No. I sure hope that isn't Chris's blood. All right, so I guess today we're going to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street. So first of all, did you guys watch the movies? Most of them. I mean, yeah, I probably I'll haven't seen every one of them, but most of them. I think the only one I ever saw was the first one, and I think I've seen parts of the third one. I think the third one's got that one where the Freddy comes through a TV and pulls this like girl up into the TV and kills her that way. He was in, he was inside a waterbed in one of those too. Funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds familiar too. Yeah, uh, and then I think I've seen the Freddy vs Jason one. That's it. So those are the only ones I've seen. Oh wow. Yeah, <laughs> the Freddy vs Jason one's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's funny though. Yeah, I, it's I, funny. You know, you you can't help but. I guess they weren't trying to be too serious at that point. Yeah, that, that wasn't bad. It's all the original. I think I like the first one about the best out of all of them. Yeah. yeah. See, that's that's a, like, lot, a lot like those old horror movies. You know, the first one was actually trying to be scary, and then it seems like when the sequels come out, it's like they've kind of given up on being scary, and they almost go comical. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think of the Evil Dead series. Like, remember the first Evil Dead movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
Dude, that, that movie... first one was good. Oh my goodness, that movie was scary. Remember that little demon girl in the basement? Oh, that scared yeah. me, man. <laughs> the, the, the pencil was it a pencil in the ankle? Is that what I remember? Oh gosh, probably. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. Good thing there's no video game on that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and then the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was scary. The first uh, Friday the 13th, I thought was pretty daggone scary. Where the mom's a killer. Yeah, Halloween, the first Halloween movie was scary. Uh, yeah, it just seems like the first couple, or the first, you know, one to two films in the series are usually still trying to be scary. Yeah, so anyways, um, LJN apparently made this game, uh, and they released it in October of 1990. And it was developed by Rare. I didn't know this. Uh, and it was published by LJN. And this game is pretty much an action side-scroller. You know, just to kind of give you an idea of some of the games LJN's put out, some were great, some were not so great. <laughs> but, but, but I think the first one they put out, and this is just off the top of my head, I think the first one they ever did was the Back to the Future game. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Unfortunately, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It won, the, it won the greatest game in the world. But, uh, but yeah, just to kind of give you an idea, they, they released Alien 3, Back to the Future uh, 1, 2, and 3. Uh, the Beetlejuice game, which, you know, I kind of like the Beetlejuice game. Friday the 13th. Oh, the Incredible Crash Dummies. You remember that? I do. I actually had some of the Crash Dummy action figures. Like, you would hit Me too. Butt on their chest and they would just, like, fly into a million pieces. They were awesome. <laughs> we, d- we need to do a show on the Crash Dummies. The Crash yeah, Dummies that, podcast. <laughs> it's like, we just love the Crash Dummies and their buckle-ups uh, safety announcements. Right. Get up. Safety belt test at nine. Hurry. Not another windshield taste test. Count me out. What? The old pro backing down from a motorhome? Nothing like that. I'm just tired of trying to convince people to wear safety belts. No one's listening. Safety belt saved Barbara Mandrell. You're right. Someone listen. Let's hit the road. You hungry, partner? Uh, Let's do some donuts on the way in. Good idea. You could learn a lot from a dummy. Buckle your safety belt. Uh, yeah, LJN, they also did uh, The Karate Kid, Major League Baseball, Pictionary, Spider-Man and the X-Men, Arcade's Revenge, um, Spider-Man and uh, Sinister Six, which I hated that game because uh, <laughs> I love Spider-Man and I just that game was so ridiculously hard and, and uh, the controls were so sluggish. Uh, Wolverine, uh, I actually really enjoyed that game. That was a good game. And then a lot of the WWF games like King of the Ring, Raw, Royal Rumble, Superstars, uh, Super WrestleMania, Super WrestleMania Challenge, Steel Cage Challenge for the Game Boy. So LJN did a lot of games. Some of them were good. Some of them were stinkers. Did you know that uh, LJN actually made toys first? I didn't know this. I know they did wrestling toys. Uh, yeah, they apparently they did like Thundercats toys. They did Gremlins toys, Terminator toys, and like you said, wrestling toys before they went into the video game uh, market. You know, they also did uh, they did Jaws for the NES, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, I skipped over that one. Because that was, I got that one for a birthday present one year. Do you like that game? It's okay, it's a good waste of time. You can beat it in about ten minutes if you know what to do. Yeah, essentially, what, you have to do, uh, collect the conch shells or something? to. And you had to go back and forth between these ports and buy, like, upgrades for your harpoon gun. And then it did a, and I thought this was cool at the time, and it's still kind of cool for an 80s game it goes into a first person view on the boat uh-huh. and what you're trying to do is line the bow of the boat up mm-hmm. to where uh, you hit this button and Jaws it makes him shoot out of the water mm-hmm. and when he shoots out of the water you have to stab him with the bow of the boat like I can't remember which Jaws that was it may have been 3 or the Revenge I can't remember right. but it's basically you stab him with the bow of the boat and then he goes down and the end and you beat it in like 10 minutes if you know what you're doing huh I didn't know that. 
See, I, I never had this game, but I, I remember um, a friend of mine did, and uh, I never really knew what was going on. I wasn't patient enough to figure it out as a kid. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but it seems like people have a very strong opinion about that game either way, you know, whether it was a good game or a lame game, but uh, I don't know. From, from what I've seen in the game, it doesn't look particularly good, but I don't know. Okay, so Landon, did you ever play this game as a kid? I did, actually. Really? Yeah, well, not as a kid. I was a little bit older. I uh, played it via emulator, and I could imagine I could imagine having four players. I remember Nintendo uh, Power did a big thing on it was one of the first games to allow for the, the satellite, the four-player. Yeah, yeah, that adapter thing that had the four controllers you could plug in. Yeah, like it was one of the first games to, to have that, so I know uh, that seems like it would be a fun game to play with four other people. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And you can you all play simultaneously. It's not like you take turns, so... Uh, yeah, this is one of the first... Actually, it's probably the only game I've ever played that you could do that. Uh, at least that I have. Um, and I'll tell you what, this game is not cheap on eBay, just for the record. Um, really? Yeah. I paid, um, I paid like $20 for this game about, uh, you know, two months ago. Wow, you know, I didn't expect it to be that much. But, uh, you know, compared to, say, Friday the 13th and, and, and all that stuff, you can get that for about 5 bucks on eBay, but... Uh, yeah, it was an expensive game, but maybe the four-player thing is why. Or maybe it's kind of rare. I really don't know. You may um, have a gym there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I never played this one as a kid. I, I never did, so I really don't know how I would have t taken it, you know, if I would have been scared or not. Uh, who knows? I was kind of a wuss, so probably. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have been scared of it, too, as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Boo, haunted house. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Frankensteins and ghosts and cats. It shouldn't be Friday the 13th. It should be Boo Haunted House. So, uh, so Landon, you want to kind of talk about the gameplay a little bit? Sure. Um, like you said, it's a, a side-scrolling action-adventure. Um, the plot of the game is you're trying to collect these bones, which are apparently Freddy's body, and throw them all in this furnace at the end of the game. Uh, the bones kind of look like dog bones, to be honest with you. They're not like <laughs> they do. They're not like skulls or just like, you know, ribs or something. It's it's like little dog bones that you're you're throwing away. You're you're picking up uh, you're picking up uh, pedigree <laughs> dog treats. Apparently. Yeah. Speaking uh, of which, but, man, they are it's it's ridiculous how many you actually have to collect. It's close, like is it a hundred maybe? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, how many bones are in the in the human body? I mean, I know it's more than that, but geez, I didn't know you had to get every single one. Oh yeah, I mean you've, <laughs> you've got you've got to pick up his uh, his coccyx and his xiphoid process and his collarbone and I know I know. I mean you got to pick up his uh, his third rib and his sixth rib and 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 it's like each level it's not like you know five or ten bones it's like nineteen twenty bones you have to find and there's always one or two that are hidden where if if you aren't really really looking closely if you're not really really walking slowly you are gonna overlook that very easily uh, I, I've really had a time with this it's not that the game was that hard it's just ridiculously hard to find these stupid bones yeah I'm, I'm sorry I didn't mean to get on a rant there <laughs> it's, it, it's okay Rob it, it's like me and Echo the Dolphin I mean we, we just don't <laughs> jive. You, you don't jive with Freddy bones I don't jive with the Dolphin yeah some of those bones like it's like if you miss the jump by just the smallest fraction, you fall off the level and you're dead. And, and to make things worse, too, like the whole time you're doing this, there's a timer. Oh, that's going, right. You know, and the timer is when you fall asleep and go into the, the dream world, and it kind of does this little, like, wavy line, like, like on Wayne's world. It does that, and you're in the dream world. 
Yeah, I know, I know. But see, I like that transition. You know, I, I really do. That is that. A cool transition. It lets you know that you're going to sleep. Yeah, yeah, and it, it definitely reminded me of Simon's Quest in that way, except it doesn't actually tell you, hey, you are about to go into the dream world. What a horrible night to go into the dream world. Right. That was a, that was exhausting with it. Yeah, <laughs> I know all the time. But yeah, I like that concept. I think that was really neat. And you know, essentially, this storyline doesn't follow, you know, any of the the film storyline at all. But you know, I guess you know, in order to make it a game, a playable game, I I kind of like the premise. To to my understanding, you have to gather all these bones, and then you have to burn them at the end. Landon, is that right? Yeah, like you throw them all in a furnace, and it throws them in like one by one, and it's like, okay, <laughs> don't throw the bones in the oven. <laughs> I'm having to see all 150 of them go in. <laughs> the coolest thing I thought about the game was when you're in the dream world, you get powers. Yes. <laughs> like, you can be a wizard or... I think it's like a track star because you throw like a javelin and you can jump really high and run. Yeah, he's like some kind of acrobat, yeah. That's exactly what I wrote down, track star. <laughs> and, <laughs> and ninja. I always liked playing as the ninja because you have to throw in stars. And, well, and, and the ninja was key for the bosses that kind of bounced around the screen because when you jumped, he like did a like a karate kick or I, I guess it'd be a ninja kick. But uh, <laughs> it, it actually, uh, especially like I think one of the bosses was Freddy's hand and then go up and down all around the screen. Mm-hmm. And when you when you would jump, it would just uh, kick right into him. It was a little easier to beat the bosses that way. The dream world. It was kind of a double-edged sword, you know. The enemies were a lot stronger in Dream World, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you were too. Right. So you kind of, you kind of had. And sometimes, you know, I would just sit there and wait for my guy to go to sleep before I would try to go on because I'm like, you know, <laughs> I can't make this jump without being able to jump 30 feet in the air. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing that is a little bit disorienting is uh, you never know which house you're supposed to go in. You know, I, I, right before you even go into, you know, fight any of the enemies and everything. You, you don't know which house to go in, and then finally, when, when you find the first house that you can actually walk in, and it's basically by trial and error, like you said, you know, you, you, you fight these monsters, and then when your time runs out, you go in this dream world. Do you fight the boss in the dream world, or is it during the the regular world? I can't remember. I think it's the dream world, because yeah. you can switch to your, your, you know, your alter ego power guys, whatever they are. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's right, that's right. And then, like, the first boss, I remember, was Freddy's claw, right? Yeah, and it kind of looked like he had a uh, snake snake rattle and roll body on the... <laughs> <laughs> it was made by Rare, right? So. Uh, yeah, that's yep, it. Yep. Recycling. <laughs> Speaking of recycling, I don't know if you guys noticed this, guys. All the bosses, did you guys notice they were all recycled over and over again? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, that's, that's one big gripe I have about this game. <laughs> you know, at first, you know, at first you have the hand... And then you finally collect all the bones, and again, for the next house or whatever, you fight uh, Freddy's head, all right, and he looks like a snake. Uh, and then after that, I think you fight his hand and his head, all right, and then after that is like a, a, a ghost, and then a, and then a bat, all right, that doesn't even look like Freddy, you know, the head of the bat just looks like a normal bat. You know, towards the end of the game, and uh, I never got there, but I heard that basically it's you're just fighting all the same bosses again. So I was like, Really? That's one. That's one kind of downer to me. But you know, one strength is the fact that, like you said, Landon, uh, you can actually have different powers. It kind of reminds me of Mega Man in that way. You can kind of, you know, pick and choose which guy you want to be—the ninja, the magician, acrobat, or or track guy. You know. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, and, and to your point about the uh, trying to find the random houses, um, mm-hmm. I did a little research on that because it was driving me nuts. And, uh, <laughs> it, and, and you're right; the first three houses are random, but after that, like you. You're supposed to go to the junkyard and then the yeah. cemetery. At least, at least that part isn't so confusing. Because once I, I, I did cheat a little bit, went out and looked at some strategy guys, mm-hmm. and um, 
because I was just it was driving me nuts, and it's not real intuitive. It might maybe it's my controller I'm using, but when I'd hit up at some of those houses, it's like he wouldn't go in, even though that's the house he's supposed to go into. So I would be running back and forth for <laughs> 20 minutes trying to find the one to go into, when all along it was the first one I tried. <laughs> so, yeah. So did you have a hard time with the uh, finding all the bones there, uh, Nick? There was a few times that you you get to that you know, where you need to go underground in that level and you need one bone left. And I, I noticed some of the bones are in, they almost like blend into the environment in they, some they areas. They do, I know, that's yeah. what I hated. And you're trying to kind of go slow through the uh, through the stage, but then you got all this junk coming at you. So that, that was a little frustrating. I think there's one in particular where you had to like ride this, one of those little elevator things down. It was at the very bottom of that, that screen and I could hardly see it on my TV. I just got lucky and got it, I think. Yeah, I, I know there was one that was in a spider web and for the longest time I'm like, where is this thing? I mean, who puts a bone in a spider web? <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so I, I finally found that one. I think that was in the second house I, I was in. Uh, but yeah, I, that's probably the hardest part for me was just finding everything. So so what do you guys think about the level design? It's okay. I mean, like we've said, the, the bones blending into the background is a real bummer. Yeah. You know, because like Nick said, you know, I remember the having to ride the elevator all the way down to get the bone <laughs> and then all the way back up. <laughs> And the whole time you're sitting there, you're like, come on, Freddy's coming, Freddy's coming, hurry up, come on, Freddy's coming, hurry up. But the, the level design's okay, I mean, it's just your basic side-scrolling platform of me. Yeah, yeah, I, I was actually kind of, you know, I, I really liked the the level design, uh, you know. Uh, I'll cut, the one thing I didn't like is the fact that they recycled a lot of the same monsters, but, you know, the, the, the levels <laughs> themselves, besides the fact that, you know, the house seems like you go through, I think, like three houses before you... Um, go to the junkyard you know that's like the first varied level uh but you know i, I think the actual house the, the itself looks really cool i thought the junkyard looked cool and um oh, what's the other place you go uh cemetery yes the cemetery thank you uh that one looked pretty cool and i think it's the cemetery but one of the, one of the stages either cemetery or um it could be the junkyard, but it actually looked like the first stage of contra i wrote that down because i had a <laughs> well, I mean, the the, the, the the landscape looked a lot like the first level, and of course there's water underneath. Of course, you can't jump in the water like you could in Contra. I found that out fast. But, um, I think it's the one where you had to like jump on those bubbles, which that was one of the most annoying parts of the game, I think. Oh, yeah, because they, they pop real, real quickly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, speaking of which, why is water running under a graveyard? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem very safe. <laughs> no. Freddy's got to live somehow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> So, did, uh, how far did you guys get? I made it to Freddy's house and then died. I didn't even make it to the last boss. But wow, I, you made it pretty far though. Freddy's house, that, I think that's past the uh, high school, isn't it? Yeah, and I um, I played so long last night doing that, and after after I saw Game Over, I just quit. I'm like, no, no more. <laughs> <laughs> well, this goes back to the Game Genie topic. I've beat it with the Game Genie. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, I've not beat it. I've seen the ending. It's not really all that great. It's just a bunch of text, but... Mm -hmm. uh, without the game genie, I've made it. I think I've made it to the cemetery. That—that's where I made it. Yeah, I got as far as the cemetery, and I remember actually really out of all the stages, this was my personal favorite one. Uh, I just like the stage design, even though, like I said, the water under the graveyard seems kind of strange, but it was—it <laughs> was still pretty neat. Uh, I don't know. I honestly am quite impressed with the graphics in this game. Uh, I, I think it's. Uh, and I actually really like the the music as well, especially the boombox music. <laughs> yeah, that so sounded like um, 
right before you get ready to race into RC program. The yes, I hear it. <laughs> That's what that reminded me of when I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of pumps you up, yeah. <laughs> it did. I was excited. Like, yes. But then you just go back to your, your super puncher guy, which really wasn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then um, I made it to the cemetery, and then I finally got game over. But apparently after that, um, I guess like the sixth or seventh level is Freddy's house, and then I guess after that is the high school. And I took notes of this because, um, you know, I watched a, a video just to see what the ending looked like. Uh, and apparently you fight a glove, a head. You know, these are all the same bosses you fought earlier. A bat, a ghost, and then finally you, you face Freddy. And it's the same exact, like, jumping Freddy that you face, I think, earlier on in the game. Uh, he just kind of jumps around in a pattern around the screen, and he really doesn't do anything to attack you. <laughs> so he's very, very easy to beat uh, yeah. if you actually get there. And then there's a poem at the end. Well, you know, when you finally defeat Freddy, you throw his bones in the furnace. Uh, and like Landon said, that takes quite a while. And then, there's a po- <laughs> and then there's a poem at the end, and it says, So the evil is purged. Fire purifies all. The bones and ashes, soon to be dust. Freddy is dead. And the nightmare is ended. And then it says, dot, 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 or has it? <laughs> I was like, really? Freddy never dies. Come no. On. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was the ending of it. Yeah, it's, what do you, what do you guys think? You know, from a 1 to 10 rating, what would you give this game? Oh, I'd probably give it about a 6 or a 7. It's, it's one of those, like I said earlier, kind of like Jaws. Mm-hmm. It's okay game. It's good for wasting time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, uh, what do you think, Nick? I'm right there, 6, because it's not great, but it's not awful. Mm-hmm. So and it's above average, I'd say. So I mean, I, I yeah. enjoyed it. I even, my, you know, my son and I, when we did Retro Junior, I mean, he acted like he was having a good time. So and and the controls weren't weren't bad. And I I know people complained about the controls a little bit, but I felt like the platforming was okay. Mm-hmm. It was pretty responsive, in my opinion. I, I didn't have any trouble like you know, actually hitting the button and him jumping, and you could control it well. So I felt like the controls were fine. And then um, yeah, hit detection. I actually punching the snakes in the face and things like that <laughs> felt pretty satisfying. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm all there, 6 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, and you can punch bats. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, or you can just jump over them and not have to worry about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm with I'm with you both. Uh, I, that's exactly what I was thinking, probably around a 6 or a 7. Um, I don't think it's a terrible game, and I kind of went in there thinking it would be because uh, I'd heard so many bad things about it. Um, but it's not as bad as I originally thought it would be. Uh, the, the, the repetitiveness, the fact that you have to collect so many bones... Um, and, and the fact that, you know, there really isn't much of a payoff, you know, with the bosses and everything. They, they all look the same, and they've, they've been recycled through. Uh, but, you know, there are some strengths to the game. The music's good. Like you said, Nick, the controls are pretty responsive. The hit detection's good. You know, the platforming's good. It's not like you, you know, land, you know you landed on the edge of a platform and you fall off. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's yeah. pretty well made in that sense. It, it's an average game. It's not a terrible game um, by any... Uh, stretch of the imagination so i would probably give it around a six as well so it's awesome. not, bad. not bad eh? <laughs> <laughs> nah. all right and i wanted to just real quickly read a couple of the responses because just like that forum topic uh there were some very varied responses uh for uh this game some people loved it and some people hated it and i just wanted to read just a handful of them real quickly uh just to kind of get an idea of you know if people agree with us or not uh, oh, our good buddy Eric Purcell. He says, I never had the chance to try this one, although my brother-in-law really liked it. I do remember how much I loathed, I loathed and could not figure out what to do in the Friday the 13th game. I remember getting murdered by Jason a few hundred times and giving, uh, giving up on that game forever. Uh, Chadwick Hall says, I actually have this in my library as well as Friday the 13th. All I can really say is, it's definitely not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. 
So I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> the LJN Lame Rainbow. Uh-huh, that's right. Um, says uh, Jeff uh, Blado says, or Blado, I'm sorry if I've said your name wrong there. Uh, I didn't like the game, but I loved the music as a kid. But then again, I was a weird kid. <laughs> that's all he said. <laughs> Uh, James Grusom says, uh, he's our buddy from uh, XS Gaming Podcast. He says, much like Freddy's face, this is a game only a mother could love. And what kind of mother? I'll leave that up to you. Uh, a few years back, I thought I'd try, try out co-op with my nephews. Four-player, non-sport games were kind of uh, a rarity. But instead of four times the fun, it's four times the nightmare. And I ain't talking about Dream Master. Another game on LJN's movie misses. Uh, this gets a score of four razor fingers down. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I like that one. David Packett says this. This game was different, and actually being able to play with four people was a real advancement back in the day. I'd definitely play it again. So he liked it. Uh, Nick Cadwell says, oh, do you guys want to read these? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry I'm reading all You're these. doing such a good job, Rob. You're doing good. <laughs> you guys just don't want to read them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it says, uh, Nick Cadwell says, uh, I played it once with my best friend, and it was very hard, but I loved it. Or, I'm sorry, I wish they would make another Nightmare on Elm Street in Friday the 13th game. Uh, since they put Freddy in Mortal Kombat 9. What? Is that, really? is that real? I think he's a downloadable character that you can get on. I know you can get him for PlayStation. Wow, I didn't know that. Huh. You think Freddy's got a lot of good fighting moves? He looks a little he's, stiff. I was going to say, he's, he seems one-dimensional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got the claws. Let's see, uh, he'd give Vega a run for his money. There you go. <laughs> oh, here's here's one on the opposite spectrum. Johnny Quavedo, sorry if I said your name wrong there, Johnny, says, I stay away from all LJN games. I'm really sorry, but they all stink. If you don't believe me, just play Friday the 13th for the NES. That was what sparked the brilliant idea to make games based off of movies, and it's a shame nowadays. Those games served as a mere cash-in to how we see games in media now. Uh, watch the movie, buy the game, play the game, go see the movie. Okay, Colin Johnson says, This game's way better than Friday 13th, from my experience. Still not the best game out there, though. But being made by LJN, that's something to expect, especially when you watch AVGN. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and I guess that's it. Wow, you know what, believe it or not, there's a lot of people that kind of like this game. As a matter of fact, this guy Clint Swenson says it's one of his favorite games of all time. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, because wow. I had always heard so many terrible things about this game. Yeah, not, now did Rare make a lot of LJN games, or was that just that one? That I don't know. I just happened to get my source from uh, MobyGames.com, and it said okay. it was developed by Rare. So, Rare made some awesome Nintendo games. Oh, some great of my, ones! Some of my favorites. Oh, yeah. yeah, Killer Instinct's one of my all-time favorites. I love that one. <laughs> so there you have it. That's our take and everyone else's take on our Facebook page for Nightmare on Elm Street for the Nintendo Entertainment System. I gotta say though, man, I am really tired this morning. I'm sorry if I've sounded kind of sleepy all throughout the episode. So I apologize, right? Uh, I apologize, listeners. <sighs> Me too. I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. Yeah, I'm not too motivated this morning either, guys. We're out of coffee. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and uh, wrap this show up real quick. <laughs> oh, boys. Guess who's here to make sure you play your favorite game game? Dude, I think we've just entered the dream world. Are you serious? Well... If we've fallen asleep, that means Freddy could get us. <laughs> That's right, junkies. But I'm here to say hello. Oh, Rob and Landon, I heard your second episode, so I know how much you love Pac-Man for the 2600 and Dash Galaxy in the Alien Asylum. And Nick, I've got a little trick and treat for you. How about a little Roger Rabbit? 
No! Guys, we gotta get out of here! Dude, Rob, look out! There's a blandly designed giant Pac-Man head right behind you! Run! I'll just duck. I don't think you can turn down. Whoa, Landon, look out! There's an alien! Whoa! Hey, Nick! Watch out for Roger Rabbit! Huh? Whoa! You see, Junkies, you can't avoid these games. And you'll play them over and over and over again down here. Forever! <laughs> Nick, you see that conveniently placed boombox? Punch it, man! You got it, man. Let me turn into a dream ninja. Whoa! Man, Freddy's a jerk! Yeah, it's one thing to be a killer who attacks us in our dreams, but to make us play those crappy games again? You're not kidding. Guys, we need to wrap this up before I fall asleep again. Yeah, good call. <sighs> okay, well, uh... Whew, man, I'm so creeped out. But anyways, uh, check out our forums at uh, www.theretrojunkies.com. Go ahead and check out our forums there. We've got some good uh, video game talk going on over there. We've got some good 90s entertainment talk over there and, uh, and everything else uh, in between. So check that out. Also, check out the Facebook pages for the Retro Junkies and uh, Turtle Flakes Podcast. Check out the 90s entertainment show at facebook.com slash podcast. Check out John's pages. Search up Nerd Noise Radio Channel 1 and Channel 2 on Facebook and you'll, you'll find them pretty quickly. I uh, want to give another shout out to Old School Games, www.facebook.com forward slash Old School Games R Us. Well, guys, whew, I know Freddy's gone, but still, I've got this really uneasy feeling. Like I'm being watched, you know? Is there anyone outside your window? Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, you, you there, Nick? Nick? Landon? Guys? That's it, I'm closing these blinds. Wait. What is that? No! I'll behave. <laughs> <laughs> My son threw a shoe at me the other day. He was just hit, <laughs> but it hit me right in the head. Ooh. And I, I totally monologue just like Austin Power does at the end of that. Who throws a shoe? <laughs> that really hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife was like holding up with my son looking at me like what is that accent <laughs> a pair of shoes and a five hundred dollar gift card oh okay well that's getting better as long as the shoes were pumped I'm happy yeah I'm not too energetic this morning either when I had a coffee let me do that again <laughs> <laughs> oh boys guess who's here to make sure you play your favorite games today I think we just I'm sorry, I, I totally just left over you. <laughs> uh, uh, that was good. You kind of sounded like a like a Hulk Hogan. That's I don't all know, I got, man. It's Hulk like, Hogan. Like, like an evil like leprechaun at the same time. It was awesome. But I'm here to say hello. Oh, and I've got a very <laughs> gift. There's a blandly designed giant Pac-Man head heading for you. I'm sorry, can you repeat that line? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh. You got it, man. Let me turn into a dream ninja. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>